Checking this mic. Okay. Checking this mic. All right. Nothing beats live instrumentation. That's right. And, you know, jazz is my favorite music, so, you know, that's right up my alley. That's right. We're going to start right there. We're going to start with some jazz. Okay. First, we're going to roll some themes on. Okay, for sure. John, we sounded good? All right. And welcome to the podcast called Ideas Adrift. My name is Jeff Milo, and I'm here with Leif Erickson today. Leif, Hello. Good afternoon. How are we today? We're doing pretty good, man. A little chilly. Well, you know, it's Michigan. That's you right. Know, it's not snowing. That's uh, well, right. You know, it might be when I leave out. You, know? <laughs> <laughs> you never know. We got John Burrs in the booth. We're here in Woodshed Studios in Oak Park, and we're we're just glad to be here with you, Leaf. And we're glad that you folks are are streaming this podcast. Every time I start a podcast, Leaf, I have to restrain myself from saying. Thanks for tuning in. Tuning in, right. Because people can't tune into these things. <laughs> right. It's just a habit. <laughs> That's right. But we're really excited to have Leaf here. He has been on the scene for 20 years now, if not more, right? Yeah, um, a little bit more, but yeah. but I guess uh, the late 90s is when I started getting um, into doing more things. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's uh, it's been a cool journey. That's right. Talk about, talk about your... Your, I guess your earliest formative experience where you realized that you were going to be on the path of becoming a lyricist, a hip-hop artist. Um, probably in either fourth or fifth grade. Really? Yeah. we um, and, and maybe earlier than that, but this this time uh, it just stands out because we had to do an, an impromptu assignment in English class uh-huh. and we had to take turns writing a story. So... My favorite Houdini song is Big Mouth. And I took the part and the story rolled around just like a wheelbarrow. And I put it in the story and the class broke out laughing. I'm like, hmm. Right, right. Yeah. You just yeah. naturally fell into a cadence. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just, you know, the music is in me, man. Blame yeah. my mom. Um, she's a, a wonderful singer at church. And my father loves jazz, so yeah. it was just kind of put in me like that. Yeah, yeah. Right before we clicked record on this thing, we were talking about jazz. Yes. Jazz is your thing. By far. Yeah. 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 And that and that comes through on, on your on your records, especially like Canvas of Hope. A lot of the samples feel so yes. jazzy. And yes. they have uh, such a richness and a life to them. But talk about talk about when you discovered jazz and what that was like. Well, I'd been hearing it all my life, but I can remember, again, sometimes I have these memories of certain things, and it comes from my years of being a reporter. Um, I was about 12, Mm -hmm. and my father had Jimmy Smith, uh, the sermon, playing in the car. And I just remember getting out the car, and I said, can I borrow that tape? And he was like, boy, no, because you're not going to put it back in the tape case. You're not going <laughs> to rewind it. And I'm like, Dad, just let me see the tape. And um, I remember playing the tape, and I called my little quote-unquote girlfriend. Mm-hmm. And she like, that sounds like the ice cream truck or something. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, you don't get it. Right. You know, and um, yeah, that, that day changed my life. I was 12 years old. Yeah. And ever since that day, jazz has been my favorite music. Yeah, um, and was it just uh, maybe just 
the the free form the 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 amorphousness of a melody the fact that you know it could be a river that goes anywhere yeah and and then it was just when you look at when you look at i look at all the the tape covers and liner notes mm-hmm. but when you look at jazz mm-hmm. it's a must yeah it's a story it really is you it's a know book. Yeah, you, you, you look at the cover, uh, the song titles, um, all of that. Yeah. And then that's what I was trying to uh, capture with the Canvas of Hope with some of the song titles. Mm-hmm. Um, and speaking of which, all of that is not sample. Uh, my homie Mefta that produced the whole album. I was going to say, it sounds so good. Man, thank you. Yeah. You know, that guy has a, a Rhodes at his house. Okay. So... He's literally playing on on a lot of that, and I'm just like, man, this this guy, he's got a rose here, he's got another keeper, and he's playing them simultaneously. Yeah, I'm like, this guy, Mefta is a beast. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah it really comes through on the recording. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, yeah, Canvas of Hope is your most recent release. Yes, and that's such a, I think that's such a beautiful title. Thank um, you. Because, you know, on this podcast. We talk to a lot of artists and we ask them about where their ideas come from. And, mm. you know, when you are an artist, you know, an idea can be anything you and it can be abstract, mm. you know, or it can be uh, some sort of far-fetched concept. You know, you could be an abstract painter and have an idea or you can say, you know, I'm going to make a concept psychedelic record about a spaceship (laughs) ideas come to us but your ideas are always um conversation starters about often the real world and about Mm. detroit too Mm. can you talk about that and and what compels you to be that conversation starter especially with this album i'm very passionate about my city yeah um I, i love detroit uh detroit has been good to me um i'm upset about some things about detroit um but it's still home. Yeah. So I've been doing this music thing for a while. I had never dedicated anything just exclusively to the city of Detroit. So in the middle of doing it, I realized I'm going to do a three-part series. And I got the title from the album at church one Sunday. Mm-hmm. It was a guest preacher, and he said something about I was falling asleep. And I, he said, a canvas of hope. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. So I wrote it down real quick, and um, I, I hope the project represented the city in a good way. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because um, I think that, you know, earlier, I think the first single is uh, Foreclosure. Yes. From yes. earlier in this year, mm-hmm. and, you know, that that's a conversation starter. And I think the, the elephant in the room of that of that song is gentrification <laughs> and uh yeah. we're and we're at this point where i you know detroit's being pushed and pulled in so many different uh directions by so many different forces and some forces are more powerful than the others mm-hmm. and uh we're trying to hold on to uh or re-realize a definition of what detroit is and that's what really strikes me about that idea, like of Detroit being this canvas yes. of hope. Yeah. And you hit it right on the head. I mean, if the liner notes were written, they would have been by Jeff. <laughs> you know, you hit it right on the head because I don't know. Um, I talk to a lot of people from out of town, especially older people, mm-hmm. and they assume that Detroit is this dark, desolate place. Right. And at one time it was. Right. But that was when 
the Illich family seized because they're just nothing but property hoarders. Right. They seized all of these properties and the value of the properties fell. And now all of a sudden people see all oh, this beautiful Detroit. Mm-hmm. Don't get me wrong. Aesthetics is important. I like to look at nice things. Sure, sure. But um, you have to have a level playing field. Right. You right. know, uh, some of those people that were supposed to have some of those contracts weren't allowed to because, you know, Mike Duggan and his secret meetings. Yeah, who's at the table is the other Exactly. Kind of yeah. You know, just just every just make it a more fair advantage. Yeah. So I don't know. But yeah, that that foreclosure I, that song just came up by accident, mm-hmm. but you know, like I was saying earlier, I worked at the Free Press for twenty two years. Right. On the sports beat. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. At high school and, and small college, sometime pro, but mostly high school and small mm-hmm. college. So when you work for a news entity, you can see the BS. Yeah. You know. Yeah. 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 And I think another thing that's you're you're often talking about. Yeah, you're often talking about real locations. Geography mm-hmm. is all over Canvas of Hope. Yes. Um, you know, one of my favorite tracks is uh, is it? It's West Grand Boulevard. Ah. You know. Um, and uh, and then there's another one. Is it um, is it East Zone? Is it a Zone East? Zone yeah, East. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. I mean, I was listening closely, and I think it's on both of those tracks. Uh, on one of them, I think Zone East. You mentioned uh, the Solstice, and then on Grand Boulevard, you mentioned the Equinox. And I was like, oh, those are both like transition sort of periods. Those are times yeah. of change. Those are that mm-hmm. kind of was probably on his mind. It was see. The the day we recorded um, uh, West Grand Boulevard, I had this John Cole. Because here's how I started. Let me. Yeah. Um, when me and Mefta first hooked up, we were just going to do one song. But every beat he was playing, I'm like, dude, we're just going to do a project. And we were going to call it uh, Fall Equinox. That's why I referred to that line nice. in the song. But that Saturday when I went over, I took a John Coltrane record which was Equinox. Mm-hmm. And I said, yo, mess with this. Mm-hmm. 15 minutes later, he had a beat. 20 minutes later, I wrote my verse and we were done. Mm-hmm. And West Grand Boulevard, you know, says shout out to my father because we used to ride. When I said we used to roll down the boulevard, block star soon as we pull up because when we would go to the gas station, everybody knew who he was. Right. And he would get out the car and he would just go, he would just do this and he'd be pumping gas. And as a little kid, I'm like, how did that happen? Mm-hmm. Don't you got to pay first? Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. But I'm seven, eight years old, nine, 10, 11, 12 years old. I don't realize that. Right. So, you know, John Coltrane is my favorite artist of any genre, period. So that was my shout out. Yeah. To him and my dad. Yeah. Sense of community, though. That's what speaks to me about that. If you are rolling up and they know who you are. Yes. A sense of community. Mm-hmm. you know and that's an important thing to try to get back yeah you know yeah and, uh, as i said and also locations are mentioned a lot it, mm. that's like the reporter in you on this record boom you're just giving us uh it's like the it's like the timestamp. like song title is the headline and then you <laughs> give us that location and then you unload the story so. yeah it just and, and again it, it happened by i didn't know what I was doing. Yeah. The it, subconscious reporter was coming through. Yeah. Yeah. You know, cause, cause I literally wanted to talk about the fall. And as I kept hearing the tracks and as I started writing, I'm like, okay. And then towards the middle, 
then the end, you know, things get a little darker mm -hmm. on the album because I was going through some stuff. Mm -hmm. But uh, Mefta's production is just, man, that guy is, psh, man. But um, so he actually painted the picture. You know, yeah. I just, I mean, I mean, well, not the, 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 the photo art, okay. but I'm just talking about through the music. Mm -hmm. He painted the picture. Um, I took the pictures just with my phone for the album and I left them gritty and grainy on purpose. Yeah. 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 Like the front cover, um, there's a house about a couple blocks from where I stay that was standing. Mm -hmm. And about two weeks after I took the picture, that house was knocked down. Man. Then the back cover was just me standing on Finkel and I saw the grit in the, the ground and I told the guy, I said, nah, leave it grainy on purpose. Mm -hmm. Leave it black and white on purpose because mm -hmm. jazz to me represents black and white. Yeah. 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 You know, we talked about fourth grade, um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, um, but as we said, 22 going on 23 years, like sort of, as an artist in the music scene, can you talk about your first couple of years and, and those formative experiences and sort of maybe even some of your influences or mentors early on? Wow. Um, I used to go to the hip hop shop back in 94, mm -hmm. uh, 95. I didn't rap there because I didn't think it was my turn. You know, I was watching Proof and La Peace and and John C and and Beach and and Fuzz and all of these guys and I was just blown away. Yeah, you know. And I would come back to the neighborhood and tell everybody's like, yeah, yeah. And they're like, oh man, whatever, whatever. And then I would go to the quote unquote hood open mics where some of them nights I didn't know if I was gonna make it out of there because you know they might have got shot up or yeah. whatever whatever but they'd always be like man i like you man you be on that hip-hop stuff and i'm like man it's all hip-hop is just everybody has a different story mm -hmm. but they respected me at those joints and i built up my confidence i never really rapped at the hip-hop shop though um not on the open because like i said it wasn't my turn mm -hmm. only time i rapped there is when um uh buster rhymes came in one day whoa yeah, he came in, and um, him and Spliff started. This is right when Everything Remains Raw came out, and there was these different ciphers that broke out, and I was in one of the ciphers, and I remember um, Rampage and Spliff star listening to me, and Buster was over there signing autographs, but he was real cool, and I was like, all right, this is dope. But those hip-hop shop guys, those are like some of my heroes. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um but that that's when it started. Yeah. Well, you know, but that that's worth noting upon that you were able to sort of recognize at that moment, well, it's not my turn yet, you know, mm -hmm. because there could be several other people who might, you know, kind of have the ego thing and want to step in immediately, you know. Now, see, I'm not that cat that needs that self-validation, mm -hmm. you know, because, you know, when you worry so much about what man is thinking, then you get lost in the art. And then you're doing the music for the wrong reason. Right. You know, so I would see them um, and I'd just be blown away. Um, uh, one of the cats I mentioned, John C., I consider him one of my mentors. Um, my man's Beach, you know, he, you know, welcomed me in. Uh, Freak, Bugs, and I could go on and on. Right. Uh, Low Lewis, who was known as Low Key back then. Man, those guys, those are heroes to mm -hmm. me. Yeah. Yeah. 
also like you were probably writing though at that time though right you just weren't performing I was writing and then see I was working at the free press because mm-hmm. I started there when I was 15 years old and I was writing and I would go to these open mics like as I would go to the hood open mics mm-hmm. like on Chicago and Plymouth and you're getting your own rhymes down though yes yeah. yes yeah I'd, I'd always was writing freestyle and whatever whatever but um I didn't the crowd that used to be at the hip hop shop I didn't really wrap around them until later because mm-hmm. like I said I looked at those guys like yo y'all should be out here y'all are legends in my eyes already so when I felt it was my turn when a couple of them said like yo you doing your thing I said okay that's all I needed to know right. you know not in terms of the validation but in terms of like okay oh man he corny what mm-hmm. is he doing you know I felt comfortable yeah. That that's the word I was looking for yeah yeah, yeah. that's great um, yeah. And then uh, you said John Coltrane, you said jazz. You know, what uh, um, What about the hip hop artists you were listening to? Um, well, rest in peace to one of my best friends, uh, Titus Batian Glover. You know, um, he's huge influence. Um, NWA, which is my favorite group of all time in hip hop. Um, Sadat X. Um, Tribe, De La, Scarface, Ghetto Boys, period, mm-hmm. Outkast, EPMD, um, Yag Fu Front, um, Dale the Funky Homo Sapien. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Um, Karis One? Chris, definitely, because of um, Chris was never, you know, he would freestyle. Yeah. And I like to incorporate freestyle in all of my shows at some point. So, you know, I gave him props for that. But, while other people were more KRS one, I was more cool G rap. Right on. You know, he's my favorite MC of all time. Right on. Yeah. yeah. But you're still listening. You're still listing off influences about, uh, especially featuring lyricists who are putting down something substantive and commentary, conversation starting. Once again, you know, it's not just um, mm-hmm. raps about um, the individual, the narrator, what mm-hmm. they're feeling, who they are, what they what they do, what they got. Yeah, you know, you're always looking outward or looking at this big picture. Mm-hmm. Was that was that true even early on? I think so. Yeah, um, I was always fascinated by lyrics. You know, so Earth, Wind, and Fire. Mm-hmm. You know, I just you know reading the lyrics as a kid, and you know, songs just always had a deeper meaning. Um, Phil Collins, um, uh, Curtis Mayfield. Mm-hmm. You know, so music always, of course, the melody, the beat, but I was always more into the lyrics because to me, without the lyrics, you know, I mean, you got to kick something to mean something, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, for real. Yeah. Because otherwise you're wasting time. Right. I mean, we could have fun and scat and all that. And, you know, melody is beautiful, but, you know, say something meaningful. You know, every song don't have to change the world. Right. But at some point, you know. Right. Right. Put in know. the effort and the thought in. Yes. Because, uh, and, you know, it, and sometimes it can be easy to find a rhyme, but it's got to say something, too. Got to say something. Yeah. You know, every it doesn't have to be I O N at the end of every sentence. Right you, on. you know, <laughs> right on, right on. Yeah. Um, yeah, okay. So we talked about those early influences, but you've also collaborated with a lot of people. You know, you seem to get along well with folks. You seem to be yeah. open to that process. Um, t- 
Talk about the other folks you've uh, had sort of on your resume. Collabs are fun. Yeah. Uh, some of them I haven't even heard yet because they've been sitting in the vaults. <laughs> that happens sometimes. You know, um, you know, I mentioned by 10 earlier. Um, but mainly, most of my collabs have been my Buttermaid family, my right. crew Buttermaid, you know, Doc Kim, Huey, uh, Ock, Dirty Kurt, Blake, AC Poole. Um, but just, you know, names that others may recognize will, of course, be by 10. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a track out there floating around with um, me and Sea um, uh, Ray's Walls and, and Paula Perry. That's, that's unreleased is it was recorded like six years ago you know but no one's ever heard it wow um i got a project coming up with my homie kazi who people will know from um um from madlib oh yeah you know he's in in their crew madlib and you know dudley perkins and all of them or whatever but um i'm i'm leaving out some stuff i'm sure um but that but, goes that goes into like the also goes into the whole thing of just not having an, any ego because you got to work with someone. You do. You know, you can't have the predominant vision or or you know push your way in over theirs. You know, it's it's a there's harmony. There's got to be some harmony. It's, it's got to be. Yeah. You know, and that's why um I did a project recently about three years ago called Shotguns and Wedding Bells, mm-hmm. and um, one beat was done by my homie Five Eel. But the rest were done by uh, my man's the Davy Crockett, and it was just about relationships, the ups and downs of it. And um, sometimes, you know, it's good to have that one ear that can kind of hone in to where you're going with the music. Um, I don't get a chance to do that too often, so it's cool to do that with him, and then come back and do that with Mefta mm-hmm. later on. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I've I've been blessed. Um, you know, got some work with Elijah Day from Clear Soul Forces. Mm-hmm. Um, got some work with um, some unreleased stuff with my man's Prince Poe from Organized Confusion. Mm-hmm. You know, so just it's it's a bunch of stuff just all over the place. You know, it's probably just stuck in my email right now. <laughs> <laughs> like, why don't you put it out? Right. I, I don't know. Right. <laughs> you know. You mentioned Butterbait. You got to tell us about that, though, too, and when that started. Buttermaid, uh, I can't put the year on it exactly, but um, we decided just to do our own shows mm-hmm. and put our own music out, you know, instead of waiting on anybody else. Yeah, kind of create your own collective. Yeah, yeah. you know, and... Uh, someone asked me years ago, what is Buttermaid? I said, it's uh, unapologetic progressive music. Yeah. You know, we just, you know, we started with the uh, project called Stoops and Breeze. Mm-hmm. And um, we just had fun with it. Mm-hmm. And we said, yo, this is what we're just going to do, you know. And um, we don't see each other every day. We don't talk every day. Yeah. But when we get together, it's like we never left. Yeah. Yeah. And th- so you're allowing for a freedom of definition uh on you know yes it doesn't have to be categorized you know it it, it doesn't and, and that's what the first album came out in 2009 mm-hmm. i believe and yeah stoops and breeze was just we were just honestly that album came from a lot of drinking mm. <laughs> um it may be yeah i'm not never mind i'm not gonna say that but um yeah we we took miami vice mm-hmm. you know I guess drinking and watching Miami Vice, like, hey, we're going to do the hip-hop version of Miami Vice. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So we got some cheap suits and cheap wigs, and next thing I know, 
people are talking about it. And I'm like, <laughs> it took this for you guys to pay attention. <laughs> you, you never know, man. You never know. I mean, some of the some of the funniest ideas on Rick and Morty are coming from imbibing. So you just, you know, just gotta roll with that, you know. And you know, it's interesting though, because after we did that album, I'm not gonna say any names, mm-hmm. but I started seeing people take our ideas. Uh-huh. Like, well, one name I will say uh, was Iggy Azalea. Um, I, I don't know any of our music, but the font that we were using, a few months later, somebody sent me a picture, and this is how I know the mainstream industry watches what we do as independent oh, artists. Yeah. I'm looking like, and then I kept seeing all these other projects dealing with Miami Vice. And people throwing 80s parties and stuff. I'm like, wait a minute, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And then videos with different themes like that. And I'm like, yeah, y'all was watching us, oh, yeah. you know? Yeah. And I'm not mad, but I was like, man, y'all could have, you know, hollered at us, maybe did a feature, you sure, know? Sure, right. You right. know? Life um, happens. Right. You know, I don't, Iggy Azalea, I wasn't trying to do no stuff with her. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. And then Smash Television. Oh, is when uh, I think that's when you came onto my radar. So a little late, but mm-hmm. that was around 2010, I think. Yeah, but that that was an interesting project too. Honestly, that may be my favorite project I recorded. Yeah, um, awesome. Ja Connery, he's gotta be, if not the smartest person I've ever met, one of the three smartest people. That guy, like when we would be writing. And I would hear his verse. I'm like, damn, how do I follow that? <laughs> you know, because he would be saying stuff like, man, right. it, I mean, he's like, he's just got lyrics for, for days. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I, I was honored to link up with him. But it was also cool that that also did not really fit into a category. Like, right. That was, you couldn't listen to it and say, well, that's your typical hip hop. That, mm-hmm. that was, so you've been, yeah, you've been exploring all this time. Yeah, I was trying something new. Yeah, um, take me back to to Campus of Hope though, and just more about that recording experience. It okay. sounds like it was pretty energizing. It was. I mean, because you know, it started in the fall. I think I hate to put the years on it, but um, I think it started in the fall of 2017, I mm-hmm. believe. And um, life happens, and we couldn't complete it mm-hmm. at that time when we wanted to, and. Just the music that Mefta was providing me just took my pen to different places. I didn't know where I was going, but I knew I wanted to talk about stuff that meant something. Like uh, the song H2O um, is about Flint. Flint, yeah. And, uh, you know, to have my homegirl Blue Raspberry come in, who, you know, everybody knows from Rainy, Rainy Days on, the, on, you know, Raekwon's album and uh, various other songs with Wu-Tang. Um her vocals, man, we, me and a couple other people were literally crying when she was recording her vocals. Um, I wanted the album to be more than just rippity raps, you know. Mm-hmm. I wanted just to have substance. And um, I trusted Mafta, he trusted me, and we made it work. Yeah, man. Yeah. That's great. You know, I don't know what Detroit thinks about it as a whole, but I... I, I kind of felt I owed it to Detroit to to do something uh, for yeah. the city. Well, the title welcomes them in because it sounds very positive mm. and and progressive. Yeah, but it's like once they are welcomed into that into that album, you're mm. not sugarcoating anything, and you are actually going to talk about some real shit. Yes. Um, 
but I think there's the sort of the 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 coda is there is still hope there is still this canvas to work with mm-hmm. we can't not talk about this stuff first though right right yeah we had to get the uncomfortable stuff yeah you know mix it in with um some cool stuff like the song with Jack Connery mm-hmm. you know that that's a fun song mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know when I heard the beat I'm like this sounds like a smash television type track right. you right. know and um even though we're having fun you could hear a mixture of like the layers you know um it was a part in there i said uh detroit hustles harder coined an eastern market before bootleggers came released other garments because you know those guys in eastern market they had those detroit hustles harder shirts first and then all of a sudden you started seeing them in other places and party stores and i'm like what the hell (laughs) right right right. (laughs) you know right something can be so powerful and then suddenly it's like on a lunchbox yeah it's like yeah it's 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 sapped of something yeah but you know so yeah but and there's two more parts to canvas of hope it's not going to be part two or part three they'll have different titles some playing around with uh different things but hopefully next year i don't know when okay all right all right but it's in the you're working on it you've got some stuff i've got like about five tracks done i mean but they've been done for like almost a year okay because in between takes of um working on the first one mefta will have different beats laying around um a couple other producers sent me tracks and i'm like yeah that'll work yeah yeah that'll definitely work um it's a kid named um named batman uh from new york that sent me some joints and uh, a couple of those will be on a new album. Um, uh, I think an Elijah Day track is going to be on a new album um, uh, featuring novelists from Clear Soul. Wow. We share a birthday. Really? Yeah, me and Novel. I, I didn't know that until we were all in the studio one day on my birthday last year. And it was like, damn, my birthday the same day. Yeah. You know, so um elijah day did the beat i said yo nah i'm gonna need you on this he's like all right yeah so i don't know if he cut his verse yet but we're gonna make that happen those are two amazing lyricists we should oh mention. my gosh yeah clear soul forces and two unique of uh, all four very unique styles bananas yeah but now all four of them are dope solo mm-hmm. and then when they come together it's like if you're on the same bill as them you better go before them because because they're gonna <laughs> destroy it you can just go home right clear so force is kill i don't care who the feature act is right when clear so get on stage it's a wrap yeah man <laughs> yeah um and yeah they they're like they're marking their 10 year right now man you know i love those guys man and 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 um i hope and let me be clear when i say this, this is not a diss i hope detroit doesn't do the slum to them what they did to slum village I hear you though. You you know what I'm saying? Because mm-hmm. they slept on Slum for so long, right? And then and it took JD to pass away, right? And then it took Batian to pass away, right? You know, Slum Village still doesn't get the credit they deserve. I hope Detroit don't do that to Clear Soul Forces. That's right. I mean, with Slum, it's it's sort of like they're um, revered and famous now. Yes, but in their moment, mm-hmm. it's like we missed it. Yeah. And it's like they could go to Germany or, mm-hmm. you know, the UK or mm-hmm. France. And it's like, oh, 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 my gosh. 
and there's forces to japan they're huge over there too dude they um they went to right here in detroit folks right here you know they went to france one year and you know i'll be following the post and they freaking were on the same bill as bootsy collins (laughs) and i'm looking like what yeah dude how does that happen (laughs) you know yeah so now Um, those, those guys deserve all the props yeah yeah that's good. We talked about having a sense of community. You've got a sense of community right there with fellow creatives. Like, you know, it's just a reciprocal inspiration that you must get, even from Jaha, too. So. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Those, I mean, you, it's, it's one thing if, you know, you're doing your thing, but we were a fan of this music stuff first. Yeah. You know, it's okay to say, yo, that was dope. You know, instead of being so absorbed and consumed into what you do. Right. You know, right. Not like uh, elbows up competitive. Right. Like, you know, you know, you try to, but like, yeah, you got to acknowledge each other. You got to. I mean, you know, we all have that competition bug in us. Sure. However, you know, if someone does something, you know, you don't got to be at the show just all mean mugging. It's like, oh, man, that was whack, man. I could (laughs) have did that. No, man, that actually was pretty good. Say it. You know, it's pretty good. Yeah. You know, imagine you, you had Bootsy Collins, speaking of which. And George Clinton recording together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It works, people. <laughs> yeah. You know, and that's just like being honest. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, or allowing yourself to be honest. Yeah. You know, this podcast is about how artists sort of corral all the ideas that they have. But I feel like a lot of your ideas just come from a place of honesty. Yes. First and foremost. You got to be honest, yeah. you know. Lying to yourself will get you nowhere. The public will find out eventually anyway, <laughs> you know. So you might as well just be honest. Yeah. Um, I guess how about just the writing process and the writing experience overall? Has it changed at all since fourth grade? Do you still get the same, <laughs> yeah. you still get the same high? You know, do you still get, what's it like, you know? Um, you figured out your arrangements better? I don't, like? I don't really have a set process. Yeah. But I notice I write better with no music. Oh, interesting. Yeah, because to me, if I hear the beat over and over, it'll get on my nerves. Because I've heard lyricists who are that like the exact opposite. They gotta mm-hmm. like, yeah, that's mm-hmm. interesting. Yeah, the only thing I do differently, and this is from working with Batian, mm-hmm. I never knew who was gonna walk in the studio. Mm-hmm. So from that, I would just train myself to write in the studio, ah, just in case. That's good discipline. Just in case. So I'll write on the spot, but to me, I write my best to no music mm-hmm. or I'll cut the TV on and put it on mute and then whatever pops on the TV I'll just start freestyling with the images I see mm-hmm. and I'll whatever I remember from there I'll write that down yeah, so is- sometimes I have verses in my head from six months ago that I still haven't written down yet and then I'll just add pieces here pieces there. It's, to me it's like studying for a test yeah like the final examination you got your notes here your test, you might have got a C on that test, mm-hmm. but the answers you did get wrong, you could still use that and morph it into something else. Mm-hmm. Forget the stuff you already got right. That's the stuff you already know. Mm-hmm. But the stuff you got wrong, how do you learn from that? Yeah. Those are worthwhile thoughts that you can whittle for yeah. something else. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, good process, too. Yeah. It, it's a good process to keep myself humble. You know, I'm... Not out here on no Kanye type stuff. Type mm-hmm. stuff. I want to, you know, 
that's a whole another story. My bad. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that seems like that's sort of the that's sort of like the met, the mo all all along is to yeah. keep yourself grounded. Yeah, got to. Um, it's just gonna keep you better focused on the writing anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, we, oh, so you know, we talked about you know being on this scene for twenty years. You've seen a lot of hip hop artists come and go. Mm. You know, um, what do you appreciate most about being in this in this scene in this community? You know, what have you appreciated about all the people you've gotten to work with and all, even just all the people you've seen come and go over these years? I appreciate the work that they put in. Yeah. Um, I appreciate the knowledge that they gave me. Um, um, and I also appreciate lending a helping hand. Yeah. You know, because back when we were coming up, back, you know, because I'm in my early 40s now. So back in the day, we didn't really know what was going on because we were just in the moment. Right. And it felt good. But I, I just appreciate the experience mm -hmm. because cats didn't have to do that. Yeah. You know, it was different back then. Though. We would battle, mm -hmm. you know, go to the battles and you in the final round, you might battle the person that brought you to the club, but it was all good. Now I'm not so sure how that works. Mm -hmm. You know, battling is a little bit different. Now I don't mm -hmm. do too much of it, but it's fun. Um, but I, again, I just appreciate all the moments and the experiences. Yeah. You know, I think one of my um, favorite experiences is um, uh, the day that um, I went to Jay Dilla's house, um, or JD as I call him. Mm -hmm. uh, but Batan took me and my friend Doc Kim there. I think he stayed in Macomb County mm -hmm. and just him opening his doors. Like I think his studio had only been up for like a month or two months and just seeing the process was like, he played songs that day still to this day. I've never heard. Wow. Destroyed me. Like, wow. what is this? You know, I remember, I remember specifically he played trucks and he played some other joints, but there's stuff that I've still never heard to this day that he played in that studio. So I appreciate that. Um, another moment I appreciate specifically um, was when, uh, and I hate to talk about people that are no longer here, um, but I remember when Proof used to work at the hip hop shop, all the five elements used to work at the hip hop yeah. shop and DJ Head. I appreciate Maurice Malone having that building yeah. for us to come in and do what we do and have a place to um, just appreciate the culture and the art. Yeah. Yeah. In both those instances, and you kind of referenced it earlier, were, that involves someone opening a door to someone else, mm. bringing them in, showing them the yeah. process, mm. you know, uh, imparting uh, insights. Yeah. Um, that's got to be something that you're probably staying mindful of now, mm -hmm. you know, and not to make yourself conscious, but there are there are artists out there who are now, you know, 22, 23, 21 coming up right now in 2019, 2020. Yeah. You know, yeah. you've got to be, you're the next mentor now though. Right. That's... And you know what? And, and I don't mind that. I mean, that's the fun part. Yeah. You know, my son is 17 and he's an aspiring artist. So not to like be all over him. Like you got to do this. You got to do this. <laughs> you know, you got to find your own way, but I'll share if you have a question or sometime if I see something, I'll throw some input out there. But um, 
You know, it's kind of cool being a mentor. Yeah. It's funny when some of the younger cats will call me unk and stuff like that. They're like, dude, I'm I'm 43. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not 83. Right. You know, relax. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but it's cool. Keeps you humble, though. It does, you know, and it's, it's, it's just all in good fun. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, I want to be able to um, give back like others gave to me. Yeah, right on. That's the best part. Yeah. That's the best part. And that's what we're doing kind of on this podcast. You're imparting yeah. knowledge for people who are listening. Yeah. For the people who are tuning in to this podcast. Yeah. Do you uh, have any ideas what the title of part two will be? Um, I had an idea, but I'm not sure if I'm going to go with it. Okay. Because I may save it for part three. Because really, it's a journey. Because mm-hmm. I know eventually, you know, I've been talking about moving to California. So... Part one is about things that go on in the city. Part two is going to be a little bit more personal. Yeah. And then part three will be the completion, you know, because, you know, I don't know if I'm going to be in California. Um, I don't know if I'm going to be in Atlanta. Yeah. You know, um, but I know me and my lady, you know, we're we're trying to make things where we can be in the same place all the time. Mm -hmm. But you never you never know where. Where, where God is taking you, where life is taking you. So wherever in the process we end up, we're going to be together. We're just trying to figure out, is this what we want to do or do we want to go somewhere else? So mm-hmm. these songs are starting to become way more personal now. Yeah. You know. That So that's a lot of transition that you're going to be working <laughs> through. And I think it's especially notable that you're deciding to create while you're in the process of transitioning or even moving or wherever you're going to go. Yes. Um, you know, big life changes. Mm-hmm. Uh, for some people, it, it would be like, well, I'm going through all these big life changes. I can't focus on my art right now. Mm-hmm. But for you, it might be focusing on the art helps you process this big change that might be coming up. It does because I'm tired of working in corporate America. Yeah, <laughs> you know right what I'm on. saying to me? <laughs> you know, um, uh, you know, I want to be able, if I got to go to work, I want to love what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. I work in finance and it's so boring. <laughs> you know? I'm like, it is. When I used to work at the free press, that was exciting. Yeah. Because it was deadlines. Yeah, yeah. It was not that I love deadlines, sure. but I like pressure. Yeah. So it was like, all right, you got to do this, got to do this. Just energy in the room. You nailed it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So that's what I like to do. This finance crap, I'm like, man, I cannot wait to get home yeah. so I can work on some music, yeah. you know, no, or so you. I can talk to my girl yeah. or so I can heat up my dinner, you, you mm-hmm, know, mm-hmm. so I can be a human right. instead of a freaking robot, right. you know, all right. day. Right. So that process helps me with my writing because I want to go places yeah. where I can't go when I'm punched into a clock. Yeah. Yeah. You're gazing toward the future. Yes. When you're writing. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So the the title, I don't know it yet, right. but you'll probably be one of the first people to know it. All right. All yeah. right. All right. Yeah. Well, it's been a pleasure to have you here on this podcast, Leaf. Thank you. Absolutely. Yeah. God, honored that you asked. Oh, of course. Of yeah. course. That album, if you haven't heard it yet, go seek it out. Canvas of Hope. Leaf Erickson has been with us on this podcast that you tuned into called ideas adrift and uh uh yeah leaf i know you're on Bandcamp. where else can people find you well if you do the social media type thing yeah yeah i'll spell it out 
M-R-E-R-I-K-S-O-N-313. That's Instagram. All right. Um, I'm Leaf, L-E-A-F-E-R-I-K-S-O-N. You can find me on Facebook, uh, SoundCloud, uh, Bandcamp, Spotify, um, Deezer, Tidal. All right. <laughs> All know? right. Thank, thanks to Distro Kid, you know. You yeah. Send them, they put your music out everywhere. That's all right. So, right on. But um, new projects coming soon, y'all. All right. Keep your ears peeled for Leif Erickson's next project. And if you aren't listening to this on our website, it's ideasadrift.net. John Burrs has been in the booth. We're here in Oak Park at Woodshed Studios. And I'm Jeff Milo. And this podcast is called Ideas Adrift. Thank you for listening. Thanks, Leif. Peace. Cut. <laughs> Thanks, man. Yeah, that was fun. Dude. I wouldn't do another than watching college football anyway. Oh, man. Yeah. Which is my Saturday. You gotta be objective about it.